Light and darkness don't battle with each other. You flip the light on and darkness is gone, right? So darkness actually only exists in the vacuum of the absence of light. We're the light. We're a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. If the people of God were to be full of faith in their heart, the very last thing we should do is run from evil, but run to the battle. I think some of us are worried that the light will get dirty if we get too close. Don't leave the world to the flies. Where's our faith at right now? Hello, welcome to JSC. Is everyone doing good? Happy fall, y'all. I feel like you should be allowed to say that even if you're not from the South, and I really love fall. So we are excited that you're here, even though it's Labor Day. We're glad you came to hang out with us instead of go to a picnic. We are currently in a series called Salt, and this is week five of the series. Before we get into it, I feel like because I've been given the microphone, I get to share whatever I want to share. So I want to share a story about my life so you can feel sad or sympathetic toward me. I have um, a one-year-old who is awesome and fun and smart and unbelievably curious. And I'm sure everyone says, no, my kid is curious, most, most curious, and maybe everyone feels that way. But right now, I really feel like I have the most curious son in the entire world. So last week, um, JJ and I, my husband, we were getting ready for work, we're running late, which I was an on-time person before I had a child, and I feel like that's really put to the test once you have children. So we are running late for work, and our son does not necessarily help that situation. And I come downstairs. JJ had already been down there hanging out with us. They got up a little bit earlier than I did. And I come down, and I look at my dog, and she has diarrhea all over herself. And I don't deal with those things, so I tell my husband, hey, the dog. So we have a shower of shame in our basement that Fudgy gets sent down to when this happens. Isn't Fudgy so fitting for this dog? So JJ goes, fine, I'll take her downstairs. So he takes her downstairs, and then I'm left with Ezra, which I feel like as a college-educated person, I should totally be outmatching my son in just whatever. But somehow, I did not this morning. And I'm trying to get breakfast ready. I'm like, he's fine. I look over, and he is in the dog bowl and dog water, just having the most fun possible all over our brand new floors in our brand new house. And I'm like, great. So I go, I pick him up. I wash his hands. I set him back down. JJ comes back up with the dog, who's now soaking wet. And we get in a conversation. I look over at my son again, and guess where he's at? Back in the dog bowl. I should have moved it. I don't know why we didn't. So I wash his hands again. Then I go, okay, I need to go upstairs and get him dressed and myself dressed. So I first go, and I'm in my closet, and our bathroom is close to where our closet is at. And I thought the door was closed. Of course, it wasn't closed. And guess where he finds himself? In the toilet. So he is playing. He must love water. I don't know. Maybe we're not giving him enough of it. But he's just splashing, having so much fun. Doesn't know that that's gross. So I take him, pick him up, 
wash his hands for the third time within, truly 10 minutes, this has happened. And then I go, here, husband, you take him. And he goes, grabs him, and he starts doing stuff. Ez finds his way to our guest bathroom (laughs) and gets his hands in our other toilet. I promise we're not negligent parents, but he's really fast. So then we go downstairs. We're finally ready to leave for work, and we let our dog out one last time because we're good dog owners, and she runs away because we don't have a fence, of course. So if you're a fence person, let me know because we really need a fence at this point. So she runs away. It was just a crazy morning. But I say all that to say we thought, hey, this is so much fun. We're going to add another one to our family. So coming in March, we are expecting our second child. Just, you know, add to the madness. Why not? But we are really excited about that and just excited for all that God is doing in our family. But let's jump in to what we're doing today. And we are going to be talking about salt in that series. But more specifically, tonight I want to talk about um, prayer. And this wasn't what I had intended to talk about when we first started um, discussing this series months back. I really thought, hey, I want to speak on culture and how to stay relevant in our culture. But at the beginning of this month, I just felt like God was like, hey, this isn't where I want you to go, and this isn't what I want you to speak on. And he's really taken me on this journey in this last month um, and challenge, I would say, to a new level of what prayer looks like in my life and how to be salt through this idea of prayer. In Matthew 5.13, the scripture we've used this whole series, it says, you are the salt of the earth. So not Jesus, not those around us, we are the salt of the earth. We are called to be light in this place. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? So it's really important. We don't want to lose our saltiness. How do we get it back is what this is saying. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. It's really important that we keep our saltiness. And it's really important that we keep our place in this world and we keep our um, voice loud in the culture that surrounds us. Because if we go silent, if we lose our saltiness, what are we being used for? We're called to be salt. And how, how do we keep our saltiness? If we're called to do that, if we're called to be salt, if we're called to live this life, but we can lose it, is what this scripture is basically saying, how do we keep it? And I, I, I just saw this whole revelation God gave me of, we do it through prayer. It's all about our prayer life and what God wants to do in that time with you. So whether you are listening to this message and today is your first time ever hearing about the idea of prayer or you have walked with Jesus for 30 years, I really felt like he wants to encourage you. You can get something out of this today. You can learn something today. And he wants to take you to a deeper level with him. So why should we pray? I think before we talk about praying and what that looks like and how to do that, I think we need to talk about why. Why is it important, you know, if we are going to be driven and to know, okay, this is something I need to set time in my life for and I need to um, 
spend time with the Lord doing this. Why am I doing this? Why am I praying? In James 5, 15 through 16, it says this, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. So first of all, prayer is great because it can make the sick person well. That's an awesome reason to pray, right? I want to see the sick well. I want to see that happening in my own life. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. That's huge. That's the way we are forgiven. It's through the confessing of our sins in prayer to the Lord that that happens. If, um, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And this is, this is where it just gets so good. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So why should you be praying? Because it is powerful and it is effective. And the, I think a lie that the enemy loves to use is when you pray, you're not effective. I can think of many times in my life that maybe I've prayed prayers of God, would you do this? And it didn't happen. And the enemy came in and said, he disappointed, right? You, you weren't powerful. It didn't work out. So why are you doing this? And he wants to lie to you and he wants to deceive you and he wants you to convince yourself that you should stop praying because if you stop praying, you are no longer powerful and you are no longer effective. This is a tool that the Lord has given each and every one of us who follow him. The righteous prayers are powerful and effective. So you should be praying because it's powerful and it's really effective. When you pray, there's power that is sent out. And it affects what's going on. And maybe it's not in the way that you pictured it or that you wanted it. But be encouraged today that it does affect what's going on. It does affect God hears our prayers. And he wants you to be praying. And he wants you to be speaking out words of faith to him. If the Bible is true and it's the word of God then I have to believe this. I have to believe that when I close my eyes and I speak to the Lord that the things I say matter to him, that I have power in what I say. That's a big responsibility, but the Lord's given it to us because he wants to use us in this world to be salt and to be impactful and to have relevance in this culture. It's important and we should definitely be doing it. Um, And then the second part of that, and really where I want to spend time in this message, is what we should be praying for. And I think a lot of times the Lord has really convicted me in this month of learning about this that a lot of my prayers are really selfish and not in a bad way. I don't, that's not to condemn anyone. That's not to make you feel like you shouldn't be praying about your own life. But I was thinking, I was sitting and I was thinking, what do I pray for? And it's really, I pray for my life. I pray for my husband's life. I pray for my son's life. I pray for my family's life. And those things are great. And, and I should continue to pray for those things. And I pray for my relationship with Jesus, and I praise him, and those things are wonderful. But the Lord really revealed to me that there's a whole other side of prayer that I'm missing out on, and that I am, I am lacking in and being powerful and effective if all I'm doing is focusing on this. So 
maybe I need to spend more time praying and I need to spend more time seeking him in his things and in what he's wanting. Because we should be praying for specific things if we're to be salt to this earth. And if we are to have that whole idea of we are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So the first thing that I think we should be praying for is we should pray for tough situations. That's your first fill in the blank. Tough situations. And this is, this is, this is a challenge. This whole idea right here is the world around us seems very dark and is very dark. And I think a lot of times we spend a lot of time praying these prayers. Lord, change this culture and change this place and change what's going on. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing um, bad about praying those things. But I think if all I'm doing is praying, God, you need to change the laws that are happening right now. And you need to change the decisions that are being made. And Lord, you need to change the people that are running for presidency, which, hey, maybe all of those are really valid things. But I think we're missing a huge portion of what else we should be praying for. And we should be praying for our hearts in this situation. Maybe instead of praying, God, change this situation, maybe I should say, Lord, change my heart. God, give me your heart for what's going on. If I can understand the pain and why people believe what they believe and the circumstances that they're going through, I can have so much more impact than standing on the sidelines and saying, Lord, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to pray and that's all I'm going to do. And I'm not going to care to take time to understand what's going on in my culture and what's going on around me. You do it. That's not what he called us to do. He called us to be the salt. He called us to go into the world, to occupy until he returns. And I'm not doing very good at occupying if all I am doing is praying those thoughts. Now, continue to pray those things. Continue to do that. But alongside of it, pray, God, give me your heart in the midst of it. Lord, I want to break for the things that break your heart. I think something that maybe we need to do is be salt and not a judge. I'm not called to be a judge of the people around me. I'm not called to judge the circumstances. I think sometimes I have these conversations with God like, hey, I probably wouldn't have done it that way, right? We've, we've, we've thought these thoughts of, I don't think that was the best way to do it. But I have to remind myself that I don't have the whole picture of what he has set up. And it really, it's not going to look perfect until he returns. So what can I do to be impactful to be effective, to be powerful until he returns. God, change my heart for the things that break your heart. Let me see it from your perspective so I can have influence on the things around me. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency, so all sufficiency, not just a little bit, not sometimes, but all sufficiency, church, in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good 
work. You have what it takes to do every good work that the Lord is calling you to do. It says it right here. You have it all. You have all sufficiency in all things at all times. And that should get you so excited that you can go out and do the work of the Lord. But before we do that, I need to pray, God, what's your heart for this? What would you have me do in this? I need to be active in this world. I need to be doing things. I need to partner my prayer life with my social life and bring them together so that I can walk out and live a life of salt. I need to keep my saltiness. I need to continue. I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose the important place that God has put me in by just standing on the sides. So I'm going to get really real and tell a story that... um, really, I think, sparked this whole idea of prayer for me. Um, There has been a situation with JJ, not JJ myself, but with people that we know and that we're really close with. And just over the last year, the situation hasn't been good. And it's one of those relationships that it's I'm unwilling to give up on this relationship. That's not an option, but I just truly, God, I don't know what to do, and I don't know which way to move. Have you been there? Where you literally just go, I don't know to move to the right. I don't know to move to the left. I don't know if I should move forward. I literally, I don't know. And so August 1st, we we found ourselves at this place, just totally, unbelievably discouraged, and disappointed, and just sad, and probably angry. Maybe a little frustration was in there. And we laid in bed that night and just felt so hopeless for a situation. And I felt like the Lord goes, have you prayed to me? And have you given this situation to me? And I knew I hadn't. I had prayed to him, like, God, change this. But I hadn't given him the situation. So I felt like what he said is that we needed to take all of August and just give it to him and just pray. To not do anything else, to not be the ones to move, but to pray and to just get his heart for the situation. So at first, when I started praying, it was very much, God, you change them, right? This is, this is how it happens, and that's real. That's not my most shining moment, but those were my prayers at first. Is God, you change it. And I'm good. I've done nothing wrong. And maybe on both sides, neither person did anything wrong. But it was neither neither party could see the other person's point of view for the situation. So I I just started praying. And we prayed together. And we prayed separately. But we prayed every day. And I was like, God, I give it to you. I give it to you. I trust you. You know best. And over the month, my heart just radically began to change. And no longer was I praying, God, you change them. I just began to pray, God, change my heart because I don't want there to be a rift between us. And I'm unwilling to do that. And I want your perspective of how they feel. Let me experience how they feel. Because if I can see their side of it, maybe we can bring healing to this place. So when I wrote this message, um, there had been no resolve except in my heart. And I was driving one day and I was just praying for this. And I felt like the Lord said something that's really profound. And it's this, 
that God doesn't always change the situation, but he's always faithful to change your heart for a situation. Let me say it one more time. God may not always change the situation. Sometimes he does, and it's amazing when he does, and he can totally be capable of doing that, but he can always change your heart for a situation. And he changed my heart for the situation. I wasn't angry. I wasn't upset. I just wanted there to be healing, like James talked about, to confess to each other and to have healing. So while this is happening, the Lord had been doing the exact same thing for them. So on August 28th, after this message had been written, they came to us and they said, hey, can we meet? And we met with them and their hearts had already been changed too. And I think a situation that would have happened on August 1st that would have been ended, ended in anger and frustration and probably um, we don't want anything to do with anybody ended on August 28th with healing and joy and complete wholeness made simply through prayer. That's amazing. That's what God can do because prayer is powerful and effective. And it, it, it's so alive and so active. And maybe we need to spend a little bit more than a day or so praying. And if you're praying, God, change the situation, maybe you need to begin to pray, God, change my heart for the situation. So that's the first thing that we should be praying about. And the second thing that we should be praying about is this. And it's a real challenge. We need to be praying for those you fear the most. There are people that I am deathly afraid of to share salt and be salt to in this world. So this is my um, study Bible. Just joking. This is my uh, son's, our one-year-old son. We get, like to read him the Bible every night. And maybe he doesn't get it all. But I like to think he gets a lot of what we say, and he knows that this is his Bible, and he says, Bible, Bible, and he knows Jesus, and he says Jesus, but as much, he probably gets 10% of what we're saying and then goes in place, and that's fine, but I've been getting a lot out of what we've been reading, and I find myself in tears probably at the end of every um, story that they have. If you don't have it, it's the Jesus Storybook Bible. Get it for your kids because every, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, every story ends with how it relates back to Jesus and his never ending, never giving up, never unfailing love for us. So get it because it's like, it's probably changed my life in some ways of just, Jesus is really, really good from the beginning to the end. But we were reading um, a few weeks ago about Saul and so let's remember, Saul is, has come after Jesus, hates Christians, wants to destroy all Jesus' work. Stephen has been killed at this point, and we find Saul now on his way to Damascus. So let's pick up a new way to see is what the story is called. Of all the people who kept the rules, Saul was the best. I'm good at being good, he'd tell you. He was very proud and very good, but he wasn't very nice. Saul hated anyone who loved Jesus. He traveled around looking for them. He wanted to catch them and put them in prison. He wanted everyone to forget all about Jesus. He didn't believe Jesus was the rescuer, and he didn't believe Jesus was alive either. You see, Saul had never met Jesus. So one day, Jesus met Saul. Never discount who Jesus can meet in your life. Never, never say, oh, that person will never meet Jesus because Jesus wants to meet all of us. 
And if you're not willing to meet him, he's going to find you. And he's going to seek you out. Saul was on his way to Damascus when suddenly a dazzling light flashed like lightning. It was brighter than the sun. It was too bright. Saul shielded his eyes and fell to the ground. He heard a loud voice. It was too loud. It gave Saul a headache. Saul, Saul, said the loud voice, why are you fighting me? Lord, Saul answered, who are you? I am Jesus, said the voice. When you hurt my friends, you are hurting me too. Saul's whole body trembled. Go to the city, Jesus said. I'll tell you what to do. When Saul opened his eyes, he couldn't see. His helpers had to hold his hand and lead him like a little child. Saul was blind for three whole days, and yet it was as if he was seen for the very first time. Okay, now here's where it gets really good. Meanwhile, there was a man called Ananias who loved Jesus. Jesus came to him in a dream. Go to Saul and pray for him, and I will make him see again. Ananias knew all about Saul and how he hated Jesus' followers. I love this. So he lets Jesus, who maybe, just in case he doesn't know, he says, Lord, he has come to hurt us, right? Ananias is terrified of this man, and he should be terrified of this man. This man wants to kill all Christians and cut off all Christianity. And here is Jesus going, I'm sending you to this man. And it's okay, I want to I encourage you, it's okay to have dialogue with the Lord and go, God, are you sure? I'm afraid, I'm scared to do this, which is what Ananias is doing. But here's the important thing, to still be obedient even in fear to still walk it out. Because here's what Ananias does. So Ananias, or but Jesus told Ananias, Saul is the one I've chosen to tell the whole world who I am. So Ananias went to Saul. Brother Saul, Ananias said, it was Jesus you met on the road. And Ananias prayed for Saul. If this would have happened weeks before, if he wouldn't have been prompted by the Lord, would it have ended like this? Would it have ended in, in this way? Suddenly Saul could see again, but he saw everything differently. He wasn't mean anymore. He even changed his name from Saul to Paul, which means small and humble, the very opposite of proud. And do you know what Ananias' name means? The Lord is full of grace. If we want to be salt in this world, if we want to have impact in this world, we have to be so full of grace to those who terrify us. We have to be the ones who go, Lord, here I am, send me. I don't know who you're going to send me to, but I want you to send me. If no one else is willing to go, if no one else is willing to go, who else would have gone to Saul? You know, here's the thing. Jesus could have healed him without Ananias' help, but he chose to use Ananias to show Saul, hey, there are people who love you, and when my life is alive in them, I can use anybody for anything, and I can have boldness to go to those I fear the most. You can go to anyone, but you have to be led by Jesus to do it. Ananias couldn't have done this without partnering with the Lord. The Lord had to tell him, go to Saul. So now my prayer has been this, truly, Lord, here I am. Send me. I'll go to anyone. I'll speak to anyone you want me to speak to. I'll partner with you. I'll do anything for you. Because God, I want to be full of grace. Because here's the truth. I need grace as much as the person that I fear the most needs grace. 
I deserve it. The, the, I, I don't deserve it as much as they don't deserve it. We all don't deserve God's grace. But he gave it to us anyway. So I have a friend. Her name is Ashley. She was the youth um, Castle Rock pastor. And she's amazing. She really is just so full of fire and of Jesus. And um, she comes back. If you ever get the chance to talk to her, you will be so encouraged in your faith. She just has this passion for the Lord. And this idea is just so active in her life. So she gave up all comfortability, everything she knows, and she decided, I'm going to move my whole life to the unknown and move to Costa Rica and be a missionary there. So she is living in Costa Rica and doing just incredible things for the Lord. But a few weeks ago, I saw on Facebook, she started to share this story about um, this transvestite that she met on the streets of San Jose. And they made a friendship. And she just writes through these Facebook posts, and I asked for permission to share this, but she just talks about here was a man that was dressing as a woman, identified as a woman, and she tried to commit suicide because there was just, she was lost. And I think most of us would go, oh, I don't know how to deal with that. I'm going to step back from that. God, you heal. I'll pray from a distance, and you touch that person. But Ashley didn't take that approach. She goes, God, I'm going to do everything in my power and be full of grace to this person. I'm not going to try to convert them. I'm not going to try to change this man. I'm simply just going to love this person and give grace and grace and grace. So this um, man ends up, he had been selling himself on the streets for drugs and wasn't making enough and found himself in an absolute hopeless place. But through this friendship, he starts coming to the church that they have there um, and throughout the week starts dressing as a man without being told and without being asked. They simply were like, we'll love you as you are. You come as you are and we'll take you. And in that, the man was able to begin to find freedom and to begin to find, hey, maybe there's more to this life and maybe I have it wrong and I've been believing the wrong Thanks. So he starts dressing as a man, and Ashley says on Facebook, and it's amazing, she goes, I didn't call him by his male name because out of respect, I, get, I, I called him by his female name. Well, he texts her a few weeks later and goes, I may not identify as a man yet, but I want to start walking in the identity that God created for me. So will you start calling me Giovanni by my male name? And then they meet a little bit later, and and I just, this is the power of the gospel in such a powerful way. And Ashley told me, I've learned the hard way, but this can't happen without prayer. So she meets with him and he goes, I have goals for my life and I want to start living this life. And he gives his life to Jesus. And he goes, I have things that I want to do and I want to believe and I want to see myself the way the Lord sees me. And probably the rest of the world said, you're fine how you are. But she chose to go, I'll love you how you are, and I'll let God heal you in that. So the amazing thing is, he goes, she's like, well, what's one thing you can do? And he goes, I want to cut my hair, and I want to start really adapting who I really am. And so he goes, when I get enough money. And she writes at the end of this post, for those of you who support me, your money today bought a man a haircut. And that sounds so small, but in the kingdom of heaven, that's so significant. That God can do anything, and that God wants to trans 
transform lives, like really transform them, not just kind of, but he wants to take you from the pit and he wants to bring you into life and into his identity. And the amazing thing is he wants to use us to do it. He wants to use your life and your testimony and your grace to be used to the people that you fear the most. So I leave you with this challenge, and it's a challenge for me. God has just like awakened this this passion that I just want to be used by him, and I just want to be salt, and I want to be seeking him in prayer day after day after day. And my challenge to you is this. The thing or person you are most afraid of is probably the thing or person you should be praying most about. And that's so scary because God will use you. God will use you. If you pray, God, use me, he will use you. He will use you. But that should encourage you. You want to be used by God. You are salt to this earth. So, Father, right now, for every ear that is listening to this message, May the words that begin to be poured out of our mouth be, Lord, here I am, send me. Send me into the darkest places. Send me into the places that no one else is willing to go. This world says, hey, we accept you as you are, and you're fine, but really, it should be us that's going. Come, all who are well, all are welcome. All are welcome into the kingdom of heaven. And not in, in, hey, this isn't the truth or we're going to hide the truth. No, we're going to give you the truth and we're going to lavish it in grace. We're going to give you the truth in grace. And here's the truth. Jesus loves you and he wants you and he wants to set you free from anything that you may be struggling with. So, Lord, I pray for this church that you would begin to stir their hearts. Even right now, may you stir their hearts for the thing that stirs your heart, God, for the things that break your heart. Lord, may this church be uh, filled with people who are bold for you, God, who are willing to go to those they're most afraid of, who are willing to be used in situations that everyone else has deemed as hopeless. God, may you stir the hearts of this church. May you stir the hearts of this church to go into the city, to go into their communities, to go into their families, to go into this world. You've called us to go into this world. May this church be a place that goes into this world and shares your light but may it start with the humble prayers of your people going here I am God I don't know what you're going to use me for and it terrifies me to think of stepping out of my comfort zone but here I am God hands held high in complete abandonment to you here I am we give you our lives Jesus we want to be salt for you In Jesus' name, amen. Your campus pastors are now going to take it from here.